Welcome to Village Church. Thank you all for being here, uh, those of you here in person, and thank you for those who are online. We welcome all y'all. Our mission here at Village is to know Jesus, to enjoy him, and to glorify him. And our vision uh, for doing that is to be the broken people that we are coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We've got just a couple of announcements I want to share with y'all before we proceed in worship. First of all, uh, Pastor Alex is not here this morning, and Vinny Apke uh, is, uh, will be preaching this morning. He is the RUF campus minister at UAH. That's dear to me. I was an RUF student at UAH before Vinny got there, so that's real special to me. Um, so thank you, Vinny, for being here. Also, uh, I don't think we said this in a few weeks, but if you would like to give to Village Church, uh, you may give online. Give. Also, you can mail a check to the church if you would like. Uh, and then, for those of us who are in person, we have a offering plate in the back that you can drop your uh, offering into on your way out. And then, lastly, Amanda uh, has an announcement she's going to make. She's just going to come up. We'll turn it over to her. to announce our next upcoming event, which is super exciting. Um, and so we're going to have a, a women's retreat and fellowship day to give the women of the village a chance to get out of our normal everyday routine and just have a moment to be with Jesus and to be in fellowship with each other. So it's going to be Saturday, June 12th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And um, actually it will be at Jesse, his wife, is hosting us. She has a flower farm, and so we're going to be out back and among the flowers and the trees, and it's going to be really, really lovely and sweet and relaxing. We're going to have, um, like, self-guided retreat guides out um, for y'all in the morning to um, just have a moment of silence, have a moment to be in the Word with Jesus and reflection and prayer. And then at 1130, we're going to serve lunch. It's going to be yummy. We're going to hang out. And then after lunch, we'll have games and nail polish and just like some fun things to do that we might not get to do every day or might not get to do with each other and so it's going to be a really sweet time you're free to come and go you don't have to stay the whole time I know five hours can be a lot so we gave that to you so you can come and you can go whatever works for you um so again that's going to be Saturday June 12th from 9 a.m to 2 p.m um at Jesse's house and at her flower farm which is called Gentle um, there'll be more information coming out in a flock note. Actually, one went out, and there will be more. Um, flock note is the way that the church communicates and sends announcements. So if you're like, what the heck is flock note? You should get on flock note. That's how you learn about things. And so you can join flock note either by emailing Cynthia. If you're a woman, you can talk to me. I can add you. I don't know how the men get on flock note. But we don't know either. Okay, we don't know. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that were there. But, um... Yeah, so that is coming up. There's definitely something else I was supposed to say that I forgot. I don't know. Anyway, it's coming up. It's going to be really exciting. And y'all should. Oh, I remember. Okay. Um, 
Um, if you live in a household with a woman who would like to come to this, please do everything in your power to make that possible as a gift to the woman in your household who wants to come. Um, because sometimes we can't just do that on our own. There's things that need to be taken care of. And so please think about that. Even if you're not a woman, pay attention to this and help the women in your life to come to this event so they can get a break and they can be with Jesus and they can be restored and renewed. Cool. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you, Amanda. There was so much goodness in that announcement. Um, so let's now proceed in, in worship. Uh, so to start that off, I'm going to read some words of preparation from 1 Corinthians 1.9. And then we'll have a moment of silence uh, following that. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. distractions that are ever crowding and even seeking to form us as people. Um, please um, protect us from those or use those to, to actually form us to you. I pray for uh, Vinny as he comes up to preach in a few moments. And even now, I know he's prepared, uh, but I pray that even now your spirit would, would speak and move. This morning is by, uh, I'll, I'll lead through reading some of the lyrics to crown him with many crowns and for the parts that say congregation on the screen, 
if y'all would uh, say those in response. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. assurance of pardon comes from Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Praise God. Let's just spend a few moments in that.
exchange, you gave us and imputed his righteousness to us. So, Father, when you look at us, you see the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ on us. It's so difficult just to get our mind around how that is even possible. But your word says that it is true. Father God, I just pray for your spirit to be here among us. That you'll draw each and every one of us closer to you. Let your light shine on us that we can be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Lord, we pray for Benny as he comes and as he delivers the word that you've given him that your spirit will place it on our hearts and minister to us and to minister to him as he delivers it. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Scripture reading. <laughs> I did forget something. Vinny, are we doing Matthew 15? Is that what we're okay? Um, so the scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given of God to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. This you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But he answered them and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. If a blind man falls, blind blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. 
morning, everybody. Vinny Effie, like has been said, I'm the RUF campus minister here in town at UAH. That stands for Reform University Fellowship. It is the campus ministry of this denomination, so I work on campus actually alongside with Amanda, who's with InterVarsity, uh, and it's a lot of fun. UAH is quirky. It's probably probably heard some of the stories. You know, we like Dungeons and Dragons and video games and do not care about sports. That's kind of our deal, uh, but it's been a privilege to serve, and God's definitely doing things. God still cares about nerdy engineers, too, so it's been great being there. Uh, sorry my family couldn't make it this morning. I have a th- my wife, Molly, she mentioned her first, and then a three-and-a-half-year-old, Reese, who has bright red hair, and he would just be running circles around this place, and then I've got a one-year-old, Hazel, who was born April 2020, so he's been a big part of our last year as well, but it's nice being back here. It's been a while. I feel like I know many of you. It's just really fun. I've been invited into your homes. Uh, Amos and Alex, too, have honestly just been great friends to me as well as pastors. Pastors need pastors, too. So uh, really thankful for that. And thinking about this passage this morning, um, I actually saw Alex earlier this week, and I was like, I feel like you're setting me up a little bit. Like you, you timed when you're going to leave because what we just read is – pretty intense. Jesus's words are pretty sharp and piercing, and he's not playing around. And so kind of just to say up front, uh, you know, I try to preach the passage as it is, and I think the tone of it and the words of it are pretty serious. So we're not going to shy away from it this morning, uh, even though I'm a guest preacher coming in. Alex told me in his Alex way, he's like, just, he just patted me on the shoulder. He's like, let the spirit lead. Let the Spirit lead. I was like, all right, so that's what we're going to try to do this morning. And let me pray again before we get into it. Uh, Our Father, uh, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you speak through your word. And Lord, I simply pray right now that with this passage in particular, we would resist the temptation to think that it's not about us. Uh, It is so easy to uh, see a situation like this and think that we are not like them. The truth is we probably are a lot more than we realize. And thank you uh, for who you are, uh, your heart for us. Lord, be with us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so I want to begin with this. One of our culture's fascinations in the last 10, 20 years, maybe longer, for whatever reason, has been zombies. I'm not exactly sure why, but people are obsessed whether it's TV shows, movies, uh, if you're on the UAH's campus, it's not uncommon to hear students sit around and talk about how they would survive a zombie apocalypse. If that somehow, which they think is kind of likely, came upon American soil. They talk about strategies as just kind of a thing. Uh, And one of the popular contributors to this, uh, as you're probably aware of, is the show The Walking Dead. I've never seen it. I'm not into the zombie thing. I think it's kind of weird, a little bit gross, the sound that the zombies make when they're killing people just is one of my least favorite sounds in the world. But the one thing I do know about that show is that uh, the main character, Rick Grimes, wakes up only to find himself in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. And his main mission from that point forward is to avoid the zombies. Because as we know, you get bit by a zombie, you become infected, and you become one. And so that's his main mission. How do we escape this infection? Because if we can just avoid this infection, then maybe there will be hope for us somewhere down the line to make it out okay. We don't know how yet, but maybe so. 
And I bring that up because in a weird sort of parallel way, this is the center of the argument going on with the Pharisees. How does a person escape spiritual infection? What is it that makes a person clean versus spiritually defiled? That's what this whole thing revolves around. Like Rick Grimes and the zombies, is our greatest threat out there somewhere? Uh, Is there a fear-based living that thinks, if I can just escape, if I can just avoid whatever it is out there, whether it be um, temptation, some sort of harm, substances, things that I think will make me a bad person, maybe poor influences, certain ideologies. If I can just stay away from those things, will I be okay? Does that make me clean? And so really I just want to look at one question this morning. What makes a person spiritually clean? And I just want to take it right from this passage. So we're going to look at three things. The traditions of man, what they do to us, and then so what? What, what does this all matter this morning? So let's, let's first look at the traditions of man we see in this passage. Uh, it starts with this group of Pharisees and scribes who are traveling from Jerusalem. They're, they're, they're headed north. They're, they're gathering together to go basically get Jesus. Hey, let's go question him. Let's corner him. Who is this guy? We don't really like what he's doing. And I kind of want to begin talking about who these people are because I think it's easy to read a passage like this and immediately villainize them. But just like anybody, it's always really, really helpful to understand their origin and why they became the way that they did. And there's a lot of good reasons for that, for the Pharisees, actually, believe it or not. Uh, Starting way back in the Old Testament, God chose Israel to be his people. And one of the things that he did to mark them as his people was give them a law. This included laws about personal cleanliness, uh, food laws, temple laws, all these things. And the point was not to make them more morally superior or, or good people, but to actually show them their need for God. Uh, that was the whole point. Like, you can't actually keep this to a T. It's supposed to draw you back to God more and more and more. And in living with this humble dependence, other nations hypothetically should look at this and be like, this is, we want in. We like the way you all operate. We like your God. But if you read throughout the Old Testament, you know that uh, this didn't work out for them. There was disobedience. There was rebellion. And this led to a lot of consequences for the Israelites. Uh, Two of the most notorious ones were being led into captivity by the Assyrian Empire in the 8th century B.C. and then exiled out of their own land also in 586 B.C. So these these are big events for their heritage. But from that time until the time of Jesus, they're slowly headed back into their land under the leadership of people like Ezra, Nehemiah, And these people, these Jewish leaders, one of the things they are so focused on in that period leading up to the time of Jesus is how do we make sure this doesn't happen to us again? We got to follow the law stricter. We we, we can't go back into exile. We're going to do everything we can. And so one of the things they did was create this thing called the Mishnah, which was a book of oral tradition passed down from generation to generation. That's what the tradition of the elders was that we see uh, show up here in this passage. And basically, it, it was a bunch of man-made rules that they layered on top of Scripture. Again, they're doubling down. Let's make sure this never happens again. 
ever, ever, ever. And so I bring this up because it, we need to get into their shoes. Um, it is easy to want to bash these people, uh, but they were sincerely actually trying to follow God. They really were. They were just wrong. <laughs> they are just a little bit misguided. Uh, but, but they really wanted to. It wasn't a lack of sincere devotion and zeal. Uh, they were just misguided. And so you've got this group of Pharisees and scribes. They're in Jerusalem now in the time of Jesus. And uh, it should be added, too, they're under Roman, under the Romans politically. Culturally, it's Greek. Uh, they don't even really feel like they're home. Uh, they would have expected, uh, God, you brought us back to the promised land, but we still feel like strangers and foreigners in our own land. This is what they're dealing with. They want a Messiah who's going to make their nation great again. They want Jesus to be somebody that he's not. They want him to be this political uh, warrior. Uh, they, they want something than what he is. He, he's not fitting their paradigm. And so that's why we see in verse 2, when they finally get to him, they say, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And so on the surface, this seems like a reasonable question. Sanitation's good. We've been doing a ton of this the last couple of years. Uh, but that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about spiritual cleansing. And so in the Old Testament law, granted, there were laws about the priests uh, doing ceremonial washings before doing things in the temple. There are other very specific instances where everybody was supposed to wash their hands at times. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that every single person was supposed to wash their hands before every single meal. That's not actually in the Bible. Uh, and they would even do it in this meticulous way. They'd do one hand first and then the other hand, and the water couldn't drip a certain way. That, that's what was in the Mishnah. That was the tradition of the elders. And so they're basically wanting Jesus and the disciples to follow this just completely made-up rule that makes them feel morally clean and superior. And so this is why Jesus masterfully responds to them by actually quoting Scripture Verse 3, he says, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And what he's referring to here is this, again, another made up tradition called Corbin. Uh, in the Jewish times, you would have money set aside for your parents in old age so you could take care of them. But there was this thing called Corbin where you could just say, not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to take those funds and put them into the Jewish temple. And so instead of honoring your parents, loving them, showing them mercy, they could just make themselves look good, make themselves look spiritual, and just give money to the temple. And their peers would be like, wow, look how awesome and spiritual that person is. Meanwhile, neglecting your own family. That's what's going on here. And you, you can see uh, just kind of how sad and awful this is. Uh, honoring God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. They look like they're worshiping, but they're not at all. They're, they're just keeping up this image. I like what Oswald Chambers has to say about this spiritual dynamic. He says, nothing blinds the mind to the claims of Jesus Christ more effectually than a good clean living, upright life based on self-realization. For a thing to be satanic does not mean it is abominable and immoral, 
the satanically managed man is moral, upright, proud, and individual. He is absolutely self-governed and has no need of God. Then Jesus himself in Matthew later in verse or chapter 23, he says this about the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Here's the, the part, uh, you know, today for us where this can be kind of a dangerous. Everything we just read, everything I've just said about the Pharisees is true. I think the temptation is to think that we are really not like them, uh, to think that we don't ourselves have these sort of man-made laws, this, these sort of made-up codes that we live by. Uh, but I would argue to do so would be actually a, a really dangerous position to be in for our own hearts, uh, because the reality is we do this probably a lot more than, than we actually even realize day to day. Um, let's just think through a few ways we, we layer things on top of what Scripture actually has for us. A recent one, this is a big hitter right now, is the issue of vaccination. You might be on the side of like, everybody needs to be vaccinated. Other people are like, why would we do this? This isn't even a real thing. And you have these two sides, conflicting sides, uh, that are saying different things. But the problem comes in when uh, there's an air of superiority and self-righteousness with your position, right? The, the, this code of law that, that's not actually in the Bible. Uh, another one's which political side of the aisle you fall on. As the guest preacher, I'm not going to try to go too hard on this one, leave that to Alex and everybody else. Um, but I think it can easily be said uh, there has been a lot of room for self-righteousness to flourish uh, right now with, with everything going on and whatever side of the aisle you are, so to speak, uh, where, where the other side has just become an easy punching bag, um, where the enemy can just be the worst person in the world. There are words, there are postures, there are ideologies uh, that take precedent over things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it's, it's convicting. Uh, in the Bible Belt, I think drinking is an inter- interesting one. Uh, you know, and just to be clear, that's, there are obviously great reasons to not drink. Uh, there are family histories, so that's, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the idea that drinking in and of itself is a sin. Uh, that's an idea that's pretty pervasive down here. Uh, but one of the major problems with that is that Jesus himself drank. Uh, and it, it was actually his first miracle. And so the only sinless person to ever live uh, would be excluded from our position, right, if, if we hold that. The, the only sinless person who ever lived, who took on our unrighteousness so that we could become the righteousness of God, would be excluded. Right? This is a, a wisdom issue, but in good conscience, you are, you are free to drink or not drink. Either way, it doesn't get you any points with God. Um, schooling's a big one, right? Homeschool. Positions all, all Christians should either private school, homeschool, or no, we need to be, stay more engaged with our neighbors and the culture should go public school. It becomes these divisive issues where the Bible actually says, train up your child in the way of the Lord. That can look lots of different ways. 
positive way. We could go on. I'm already exhausted starting to go through this. We've all been exhausted from this past year. We've been doing this to each other a lot. I think this sounds familiar. Um, But we look for righteousness in all sorts of areas, all sorts of areas. It can be really subtle, too. So not too long ago, I was riding around with my boss uh, in his truck around around Huntsville, and uh, he had some country music uh, song playing, and not like one of the good ones, one of the cheesy ones. And I grew up in the D.C. area. I don't, I don't connect with it. Like, I don't get it. It's not, like, in my bloodstream. And so I'm not making an indictment against country music. I'm just saying I don't get it. Okay? So you can after, we can talk about this after the sermon if you want. But this song's coming on. I'm kind of poking fun at it a little bit, some of the lyrics that I just think are, are kind of silly. And he looks at me without skipping a beat, and he says, Hey, Vinny, I bet your, your music righteousness makes you feel really good about yourself. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then he doubled down. And he said, yeah, in 20 years, nobody's going to remember your, your little indie music that you're listening to. They're going to remember Garth Brooks. I was like, you know, I think you're actually right, <laughs> like in the history books. Um, but you see, like even in small things, that, like, there, there's a tendency of the heart to want to create distance or, or, you know, I am better than because I do this thing, the superiority. But the strategy never, ever, ever works. And it's unbiblical because despite all of our best efforts, the the codes that we live by can never actually lead to true uh, soul rest that we actually crave. And that those things don't actually lead back to Jesus, which is the ultimate problem. Maintaining whatever image it is that we're trying to maintain is just absolutely exhausting. And it's just going to run us ragged. Our rules that we live by, they're, they're... they're harsh, they're, they're cruel, and they're just relentless. They never stop. And see, what Jesus is really after is not this external image, but he wants something deeper. He wants something more for us, uh, which leads us to the next thing, what our traditions do to us. But we'll be a lot quicker as we move on here. So beginning in verse 10, Jesus turns his attention away from these fri- scribes, these uh, Pharisees, to apparently a bunch of people who are... Uh, standing around watching this interaction, uh, and he talks to the disciples. He says in verse 10, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. And then a similar idea in verse 18, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. As always, Jesus, he's getting right to the root. He's saying a person can be deceived by how good they look externally and not realize at all that their heart is an absolute snake pit. I have no clue. And he gives us some really practical wisdom here, too. Uh, you know, one of the ways that we can know whether or not we are obeying and living by man-made rules is whether or not we are more concerned with our own agendas and our own appearances rather than uh, love of a neighbor. I mean, the, the list that he mentioned there, the things that come out of the heart are so often those, those poison arrows that, that we are just aiming at others, directed outward. And it's because, as we said before, the tendency is to think the problem is out there. And say, no, 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 it's a lot closer to home. It's actually right inside. 
practically, this, this, is, this is kind of how it plays out, especially in this, this last year or two. Um, you know, for example, when somebody posts on the Internet, granted, they probably shouldn't have said what they said, so we're not excusing that. But when somebody posts something on the Internet that fires you up, uh, how we respond really matters in that moment. Really matters. If in that moment evil thoughts and murder are coming out of our, our hearts, if slander comes out, if we are bearing false witness against that other person, that's what defiles us, according to Jesus. Uh, that's actually way worse for us in that situation than, than it is for them. It, it, it's killing ourselves. That post or whatever it was, the thing they said, isn't the thing that actually made you angry. It exposed the anger that's already there. Thinking, I, I would never do that. How could they? Stop. Similar things happen when something as seemingly innocent as driving. We do this all the time. Everybody else is the problem. <laughs> but again, they are not the problem. It, it's just exposing the anger in our heart, the impatience, or whatever. That's our natural default. That's our tendency. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 time out. The problem is actually you. And so some good questions for us to consider are, you know, do we spend more time confessing the faults and the sins of our neighbor or those people out there or our own? Uh, do our words destroy and murder and tear down or, or do they build up and create life and flourishing to those around us and in our communities. I think before we move on, a couple of verses that can be really helpful for us in engaging this dynamic as well are verses 13 and 14. Uh, Jesus says about the Pharisees, um, let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And, and he's kind of freeing us up here, because in, in this age of misinformation and hurtful words and hate and all sorts of madness right now. Uh, he's saying, hey, just so you know, you can just ignore them. <laughs> like, it's actually okay. You don't have to listen to them. You can, you can distance themselves without being cold. Like, that's actually good for your own heart and for everybody else. If that's going to be toxic for you, if it's going to create things uh, in your emotional health, your mental health, that's going to affect your spiritual health, like, sometimes it's, it's knowing when to just, to just step aside. Um, I like what Esau Macaulay said uh, in one of his recent tweets. If you're familiar with him, he actually grew up a few miles north of here, uh, but he's a well-known professor, author. But he said, I simply cannot spar with Christians online who have an endless capacity for cruelty without doing damage to my own soul. I'm spending more time lamenting and less time fighting. Pray for the church. It's a good word. It's a good word. So lastly, uh, so what? What do we do with this passage? Well, Macaulay said, pray for the church. One of the hopes for the church is looking at a passage like this, we all are these people. We are prone to pride. We're prone to self-righteousness. These things come from our hearts, if we're honest. They just do. But this is why Jesus came. That's why he came. That's why he had to come for our, our pharisaical tendencies, for the murder in our hearts, 
because he wanted to make something new of us. He wanted to make us like him as he lives in us by his spirit. If there is no need, if we never have any need, there's no good news. If we self-justify all the time, like we don't actually need grace. That's what we're functionally saying. Um, I try to tell my students all the time, you know, to be a Christian, one of the byproducts, I think, is to be some of the least offended people of all time. Because we don't have any righteousness of our own to defend. We don't. It's all Jesus's. The more we try to defend our own sense of righteousness, the worse off we're just going to be. Everything we have is a gift from God, bought for us from the cross through the resurrection. All of it. All we do is, in this equation is just receive with awe and gratitude. There's nothing to defend. And so in our best moments, hopefully, my prayer is that leads us to lives of, of awe, of gratitude, of humility, that doesn't need to spar with other people. Even leaders in the church like we're seeing in this passage. I want to close really just, just with straight up the words of Jesus, a well-known parable, Luke 18. If you're not familiar with it, this is one we, I think we all need to keep near and dear. Uh, Jesus says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector right here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Maintaining an image in life, spiritually, otherwise, it might get us a little bit, might get us a little um, stock around Huntsville, uh, but Jesus wants way more for us. He does. He doesn't really care about that too much. Uh, he wants us to know him, his nearness, his presence, to actually know his very heart, which is not arrogant or proud, but is gentle and lowly and accessible. He wants that for us. Let's pray that we would believe that this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you really are that good. God, it is easy to live in fear of others, of needing to be a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way. Lord, but um, you offer us freedom. Lord, so often we get in our own way. Lord, we need you uh, to save us from ourselves. Lord, make us into people that live with charity, humility, with an eye to, to lift others up rather than tear them down. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross. In Christ's name, amen. Receive this uh, benediction now. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.